Well, our emphasis has been uh, over the past several weeks, we started the new year with an emphasis called Expect Something New in 2022. Catchy slogan, but basically it's based on a Bible verse, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, where God says, Behold, I will do something new. Will you not be aware of it? Now it will spring forth. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And in verse 21 of that same chapter, it gives the result of that. The people who I have formed for myself will declare my praise. God has something he wanted to do in his people's life then. I suggest to you there is always that desire in God's heart to do something in your life or in my life. And you see tonight or today the sermon is on the mountaintop with Jesus. Mountaintops are those new experiences with God that we have. Uh, God plans them for us. Not only does he plan them for us, he plans them uh, for us as individuals, he plans them for us as churches, new experiences with him that enrich our lives, that help deepen our commitment. And today we look at one of those experiences in the life of Jesus' own disciples. It's going to come from Mark chapter 9, beginning to read in verse 1. We will just stay with verse 1 to start with looking only at that verse. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And Jesus was saying to them, Truly I say unto you, there are some of you standing here who will not see death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. That is the promise. And what did he promise? Well, first, I just want you to see very simply Jesus promised that something new was coming. There's quite a discussion about exactly how this promise was to be fulfilled, but obviously it was going to be fulfilled in the lives of the people who heard it. Some of you standing here. You will also see that it was a promise that was not made to them all. It was, it was uh, selective. He said, some of you, the promises of God are not for everyone. They are for those who will position themselves in association with him. They are for those who will pray for it and prepare for it and anticipate it as something only God can do. And so I have suggested to you as we've made our way through this emphasis and asking you to expect something new in your life, to remember that whatever new happens in your church or in your life, what, whatever new experience you have with God, it is not something that you can plan for yourself or create for yourself, nor can it be manipulated in a service of the church, but it is something only God can do. And then, of course, there is that wide frame of time that was left open to the exact timing of God's promise. He said, some of you standing here will not taste of death until you see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. So think of that. It's a work God wanted to do in their lives. Now, what did they do? 
after receiving that promise? Did they go out and organize a revival? No, they didn't. They just kept walking forward by faith. They kept following Jesus. When I went through Experiencing God the first time, a study written by Dr. Henry Blackaby, one of the things that God impressed most upon my heart when I went through that study was a simple statement that Henry Blackaby made. Nothing profound, it's just a fact. He said, if you follow Jesus one day at a time, you will always be right in the center of his will. That was true in the New Testament. It is true today. What you need to do is simply be faithful to follow Jesus day by day and moment by moment. And he will lead you inevitably to something new. The second thing I would have you to see about this passage of Scripture is that it was a moment marked on the calendar of their lives. All of us have a calendar. I use my phone as a calendar. It reminds me of certain events that are planned on my schedule, but I still have a calendar on my desk that I use. My 92-year-old mother uses a calendar every day. We buy her a calendar every year. She was a school teacher. She has to have her calendar so she can plan out her week and plan out her day. All of us have calendars. Even the church has a calendar. We have one on the wall in the office where we can see the whole year and, 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 and continually we're adding things to the calendar. But this was an event, not that they marked on their calendar. It was an event marked on the calendar of heaven and on the calendar of their lives. Look at verse 2 of Mark chapter 9. The Bible says, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. That time frame is attached to this passage of Scripture because it follows what Jesus just said. You say, well, it has no connection with this passage. Well, if it has no connection with it, that same time frame follows the same story in the Gospel of Matthew. Only verse 1 comes at the end of the 15th chapter of Matthew, and verse 2 comes at the beginning of the 16th chapter. Six days later, six days after Jesus made the statement, he took Peter and James and John. Obviously, there's more to that promise that he was talking about, but this certainly was part of it. It was an experience God wanted for them. When that day started, they had no idea. It was just an ordinary day. But Jesus said, come with me, and they followed him. And they, as they had every day, they woke up every day longing to be in his presence. Every day they wanted to be with him. So on this particular day, it was Peter, James, and John. Why was it these three and not all the rest? I don't know. Perhaps it was because it was a longing in their heart or a desire in their heart. Or maybe the Lord had a different plan for them than he, than he did about all the rest. But he chose them and he led them. Did they have to go? Did they have to go with him to that mountain? No, nor do you have to come to church every Sunday. They could have said to him, as many of us say from time to time, well, Lord, I have another outing planned for this day, and so I'll not be able to be in your house or present in your services. And as a result, they would have missed the, the most spiritually significant moment of their lives up to that point. Where did he lead them? It was up on a high mountain, but the location of that mountain was not important. What was important 
was that he led them to be with him, them and him, by themselves alone. There's going to be an experience like that in your life. It may not take place in a service of the church. It may take place in your own personal devotional time or in some moment alone or in some moment of great discouragement. There will be a moment when the Lord will come alongside you and He will do something new in your life, something that He has calendared into your life. But it is necessary that you continue to follow Him day by day, just as these disciples did. Now we pick up in verse 2, and we read through verse 8. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his garments became radiant and exceedingly white as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer because they were terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them anymore except Jesus alone. Let's ask one question and then we'll talk more about it. What was it that happened on this mountaintop? First, there was something that happened to Jesus. The Bible says that he was transfigured before them. Now, it might be that you've read this passage of Scripture before and and you just sort of pass over it and you read the details of it and, and you lose the significance of the moment in the life of Jesus and also the moment or the experience in the life of the disciples. The word transfigured is a word that you know from science. It is a Greek word. Every fifth grade child knows this word, perhaps one of the biggest that they have heard when they get about to the fifth grade, or it was when I was in the fifth grade. It is a Greek word. The Greek word itself is metamorpho, from which we get our own English word metamorphosis that describes the transition of a caterpillar to a butterfly. And it, the word, the root meaning of the word simply means radical change. Jesus was radically, radically changed from the person that he was and they knew to something else entirely that frightened them to death. They were terrified. The Bible says that Jesus began to, to glow with a glory and it was not from a light shining on him. It was from a light that was shining out of him that was revealing the glory of of who he was. This is a significant moment. Peter said later, he would write in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 and 18, he said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty while we were with him on the holy mountain. So this was a significant moment. And so here are the results of, the, of a similar moment 
in your life. A moment when God takes you to a mountaintop. And let me say to you that mountaintops, let me remind you, mountaintops do not always occur on high moments of our lives. Sometimes mountaintop experiences with the Lord happen in the deepest, darkest, loneliest valleys when we're greatly discouraged and then suddenly the Lord comes onto the scene, comes alongside us, shows us himself, shows us some glimmer of his glory. And so here are these disciples taken to the mountaintop. What happened? First, they saw Jesus in a way that they had never seen him before. When God does something new, when he schedules that moment on the calendar of your life, he does so to display his glory. He does so so that you will come to a new understanding of who he is. So Jesus made this promise. He said, some of you, some of you standing here, some of you standing here will see the kingdom of God after he has come with power. And six days later, he took Peter, James, and John with him to this high mountain, and he was transfigured before them. Second, they understood the word of God in a way that they'd never understood it before. I don't know if you've ever noticed who comes on the scene. Moses and Elijah are suddenly standing there with him. We could talk a lot about Moses and Elijah and what that says about life after death, that here were Moses and Elijah living and breathing and standing with Jesus, but they came to talk with Jesus. The, 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 in the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells the story, Matthew tells the story, Mark tells the story about this moment. Luke says they were there to talk with Jesus about his departure, and the Greek word, the Greek word that Luke used is he said, literally, this is the literal Greek word, they came to talk with Jesus about his exodus. His exodus. Imagine that. This is an Old Testament moment in the New Testament. This is a Mount Sinai moment in the New Testament. This is Peter, James, and John on a holy mountain with Jesus as Moses had stood on a holy mountain with God. This is Peter, James, and John hearing a voice out of the glory cloud as Moses heard a voice out of the glory cloud. This is Peter, James, and John realizing that the word of God, all of the Old Testament, Moses and the prophets pointed to Jesus as the one who would bring in the kingdom of God and through Jesus alone. Six days earlier, Jesus had said, some of you standing here will see the glory of God. It was a moment marked on the calendar of their lives, a moment when they came to see Jesus in a way they'd never seen him before, a moment when they came to understand the word of God in a way they'd never understood it before. There are going to be some of those moments in your life, scattered across your life, mountaintop experience with God, are few and far between, even in the Bible, but they do come moments when God gives us glimpses of himself. Someone has said, and I have quoted, and I can't even remember where I heard it the first time, but I, I like to tell the story of Moses when, when he was on the mountain praying to see God's glory, and God said, Moses, you can't, you can't see my face and live, but here's what I'll do. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand. What did Moses see when he was in the cleft of the rock, covered by God's hand? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And there are moments in our lives, those 
moments when we're discouraged and we can't see anything at all, nothing at all. We can't see God coming. We can't see what God is doing. And then God removed his hand and Moses saw God going, but he didn't see him coming. He never saw him coming, but he saw him as he was moving away. Isn't that true in our lives? Sometimes that's where we catch a glimpse of God's glory is in our discouragement. We're discouraged. It's dark. It's lonely. We don't know what to do. We can't see the Lord. We can't sense His presence. And then all of a sudden, wow, God was there. God was helping me. God was taking care of me. Those are mountaintop experiences with God calendared onto our lives by God Himself. We catch a glimpse of who He is. We understand His Word in a way we never understood it before. And, and next... They heard God speak in a way they'd never heard him speak before. Verse 7, then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Jesus had told them something was going to happen. Six days later, some of them standing there listening to his voice found themselves engaged in this mountaintop experience with Jesus, and they heard God speak. In those moments when God takes you to that place where he wants you to be and reveals some glimpse of his glory, you will know God is speaking to you. You may hear from God. It may be a word of comfort. It may be a, it may be a word of correction. It may be a word to give you a new assignment. But you will clearly hear from God and you will know it's God. They knew that God was speaking to them from the cloud there was no doubt about it and notice what he said he said this is my beloved son listen to him and in verse 8 it says all at once they looked around and saw no with them no one with them anymore except Jesus alone sometimes we want to attach ourselves to personalities i found that down through my life that there are some people who have to be attached to a personality. Sometimes it's some spiritual personage that they in the church. You know, I've got to be attached to David Jeremiah, or I've got to be attached to this, this preacher or that preacher or this leader or that leader. And here were Peter and John who were ready to build a tent and said, we can build a conference center right here and we can, we can invite people to come up and meet with Moses and meet with Elijah and Jesus meet with you. And then God spoke and there was nobody but Jesus because that's the only person you need to focus on. You don't need to focus on me. You don't need a spiritual personality. You need to listen to Jesus only because he alone will lead you in the way that he wants you to go. No one except Jesus alone. He became preeminent. Jesus became preeminent in their lives. He became first in their lives. That's what God wants to you when he brings you to that moment in your life. He wants, to put us, he wants you to put aside all else and make Jesus first in your plans, first in your priorities, first in your life. So the day will come when you find yourself in a meeting with God. You will hear God speak and you'll know it's God. You'll see Jesus in a way you've never seen him before. You'll understand God's word in a way that you've never understood it before. And from that moment, it will be God's desire 
that Jesus be preeminent in your life. I know a man who had such an encounter with God came at a specific day and hour. It was not something he planned. It was something God planned for him. As a matter of fact, in his plan on the calendar of his life, he had planned to go to Dothan, Alabama on a business trip to an Amway meeting where he was going to hear, and he did hear, how he could have wealth and prosperity by selling Amway. This is not a commercial against Amway, by the way. It's a commercial for Jesus. Let me tell you what happened in his life. On his drive home that night from Dothan, Alabama, it was a three-hour drive home, he had been the son of a Lutheran missionary, grew up the son of a Lutheran missionary, preacher's kid, but was far, far away from God. And he said, that night as I drove home, God confronted me in my car. Now, he didn't see the Lord, but he said it was as if the Lord's face was right next to mine. And he called my name and he said, you have misunderstood me all of your life. He said, what I want you to know about me is that I love you just like you love your little boy. At that time, he had a little five-year-old boy who he cherished. God said, I love you just like your little boy. You love your little boy and I want what's best for you just like what you, want, you want what's best for him. And he said, as I continued my drive, he said, I began to confess my sins one after another. And when he got home from that drive that night, that man was a different man. He stayed home several days and didn't tell anybody his story, not even his wife. Later he told his wife. One night he showed up at my house for two hours and told his story to me. And later he would tell his story to our church. That man, out of that encounter with God on that long, lonely drive home, became one of the most passionate men I had ever known in his pursuit of the Lord and his word. In his devotional time, every day he sought the Lord. But one day during his devotional time, he said the thought came to him to go and look at that Amway book. Apparently they had given him a nice leather-bound Amway book with pictures of various things that he could achieve in various levels of that organization. And he said, so I went and got the Amway book and I began to thumb through the book and look at all that I could have and gain. And then he said, and a little while later, I went back to my devotional time with the Lord where the Lord had been speaking to me. I had been sharing a sweet time with God. And he said, when I got there, God was gone. God wasn't there. And he said, I went back and I got that Amway book and I threw it in the fire. And he said, God, that is not what I want. I want you, and I want you alone. That's the kind of commitment that God is looking for out of you and me. And when God brings us to these moments in our lives or through these moments in our lives, sometimes it's out of a deep, dark cabin of discouragement. He brings us through that moment, reveals himself to us, shows us that he loves us, helps us understand his word in a new way, understanding that we've clearly heard from God, that's the moment God says now, what I want from you is I want you to make me first in your life. I would suggest to you that's what God wants for every one of us in this church. You know the Lord, but the Lord wants you to know him better. He wants, you, he wants to reveal something new 
about himself. But to get to that point, what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to follow him every day, one day at a time, until he brings you to that moment. 